Good. So if you, if you weren't with us last week, last week we, um, we had our Vision Sunday, and um, we, Greg just said on, uh, on a couple of things that we are looking at as a church for this year. And um, so we, we spent some time as a, as a leadership, as the elders, uh, just fasting and praying and just seeking God's heart for what, he, what it is that he, He's got purpose for this year. So I just want to recap quickly. If uh, you were here, very good. I'm going to remind you again because it's so vital. And you're going to hear us speak about this thing constantly because we truly believe it's on the heart of the Father and we believe it's on the heart for this church. So to get to that place, we have to change our language. We have to change our culture. And by doing that, you've got to keep saying it because if you believe it, you've got to trust that you believe it. Say it. And so you're going to hear our language talk about um, a base church and the five different chairs and just how we're seeking God and His will for KCI. So is that all right? Things are going to look a little bit different this morning. Um, the f- sorry, the phrase came into my mind when the cat's away, the muscle player. That's for Greg when he listens to this later. No, just, just joking, just joking. So just a quick recap. In 2019, we had uh, Brent Bradinger. Brent's from Outlook in Richards Bay. Great guy. Serves on the apostolic team for NCMI. And he just came and, he came and shared a word with us on a base church and how he, how he felt KCI to be a base church. And um, funny enough, you know, Brent actually didn't bring a new word, but he actually came and confirmed a word already spoken over this church, and, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit later from Cheryl and Cliff just how that, how that thing worked out. Um, so, Stephen as well shared a, a brilliant picture, just a vision that, he, 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 that God gave him during that time of a military base camp and how KCI is this, is this military base camp. There's everything that you need to be trained, to be equipped, to be restored, to be healed, to be fed, to learn the basics, and then to guard in the mission field. And also, just, I just felt, felt something to share this with you. When we talk about being prepared and raised up and equipped to be sent out, some, some will stay. Some guys stay in the camp because they work in the infirmary. They work in, uh, the, sounds bad, the kitchen, not the kitchen, but they, they make food to sustain. They, 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 home group leaders, you are making food. Every time you prepare, it is to feed your sheep, right? So some people will stay. Others will go. You might go at a later stage, but I just wanted to share that in case you, you've got this thing in your heart where, oh, geez, now I have to go. No, you, you follow where God is leading you. God's got a plan for all of our lives, and, and we are the church together. So trust God for that leading. So if we feel it's in God that you need to go, we're going we're gonna to nudge you and prompt you very lovingly, eventually till we'll kick you out the nest. But it's always with a thing of returning, always a thing of coming home. All good. All right, so quickly, let's recap on, on the chairs. What is this thing of a base church? And for us, um, Brent used this picture of a chair. So if you can, I'm not going to stack them. If you can imagine five chairs, we're going to start right at the end. Base church is there to disciple the nations. Stephen prayed it this morning. So we can impact not just our community here, our province, South Africa, the continent of Africa, but beyond. Okay, we disciple the nations. So that's the one chair, discipling the nations. How do we disciple the nations? That's right. We need strong local churches in every city and town in this world. Now, that sounds daunting, and us as KCI, 
if it's from God, but, you know, it'd be quite impossible to do every single town and city in the world, but that's why we partner. As NCMI, we share in each other's victories. When a, a, a team from wherever it is breaks into a new ground, we share in that victory. And even as we go, and it's been prophesied over this church, at least two plants, and I believe there's more. I believe there's more coming that we're going to be planting out of this church, raising up strong local churches in every city and town of the world. To get that, we need to raise and release big biblical leaders. We need leaders. We need guys to step up to the plate to say, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to take on this thing. I'm willing to share and equip and, and do my duty, whatever it may be, however it might look. You've got a specific gifting. God's put a specific gifting in each and every one of you to play a part in this role. To raise those leaders, we need people. The priesthood of all believers, that's you. That's me. That's us sitting here at the church. How do we get that? How do we get people into church? It's by seeking and saving the lost. Allowing those to come in. Showing them the way to the Father. And we're going to talk a little bit more uh, in detail about this going forward this morning. And then the cycle repeats itself. Why do we disciple the nations? So that we can seek and save the lost. That's why we go to the nations. That's why we go and share the word. That's why we go on our outreaches. But just sharing who Jesus is and who he is in our lives, being that light, that story, that testimony. And it's amazing because I believe this is in the DNA of this church. As I mentioned earlier, this has been spoken about. It has been um, prayed about at the inception of this church. And that's why I said earlier, Brent confirmed it. You know, when Brent brought this word, we thought, wow, this is, this is amazing, God. This is what we've been waiting for. But actually, he just came and confirmed it. God already spoke it. God already put those plans into place. He just needed to remind us. Sometimes we just need a little encouragement or a reminder. Hey, do you remember that word I spoke over you 10 years ago? Are you reminding yourself of, of prophetic words that have been spoken over your life? Do you go and listen to them? Do you, do you, do you test them against Scripture? Because God says, test all these prophecies against. Ask me. You know, even earlier this, this week, and, and it's just funny how it came about, but I was, just, I was listening to some prophetic words, and um, it was actually my lunchtime at work. Don't know why. Don't ask me why. I know now. And then God started confirming things. And I said, that's why. It's to keep us strong. It's to keep us encouraged. It's to see God moving. When we position ourselves in His will, it's in that streamline. You know that movie, uh, Finding Nemo, when they sit out as, outside of that East Australian currents, and it's, there's no surge, there's no float, and the next minute when they enter that stream, it just goes. And I believe that's how God's positioning us. He's preparing us. He's showing us the way. And if, you, if, you, if you're not looking for it, you'll miss it, because it's water flowing within water. But it's trusting God, saying, God's Spirit connecting with my Spirit in that stream, and we're off. Is that all right? Good. How's this? I felt God remind me of of, 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 of the word Jeremiah spoke in Jeremiah 1, 5, uh, verse 5. Now listen to this. I'm going to read this in the context of KCI. He says, Before I formed you, KCI, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. God appointed us as a voice. That is what a prophet is. A prophet is a voice of God, hearing what God is saying and conveying the message. God knew this church. God knew you would be a part of this church. You should get excited about this because this is confirming what God has spoken in His Word. Why? So that we can disciple the nations. We are a voice to the nations. 
to seek and save the lost. The cycle repeats itself. This is not just a fad or a new best thing. This is God's heart. And, and we, we truly believe this, and we want you to catch it as well. We're going to say, come, along, come along on this journey with us. Listen to Isaiah's commission. Now, this could be individually. I felt this to be individually, but also corporately for us this morning. In Isaiah 61, when Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. The, so- the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on KCI. Why? Because the Lord has anointed you. The Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed KCI to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's the poor in heart, the poor in spirit, the poor in brokenness, the poor in wealth. Not just when, when I used to read that, I think just the poor. I have to go to the street corner. No. Jesus says, blessed are you who hungers and thirsts for the kingdom of God because you will be satisfied when you've got that hunger. There are many people hungry, walking around, unsatisfied until they meet God. And God's satisfied when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, right? Okay. I'd encourage you, go and read this, go and read this scripture in Isaiah 61. It doesn't just stop there. It's to bind up. Carry on. We'll go to that. But where does it start? And for me, uh, I felt encouraged by this. This is something a word that God has spoken to me time and time again. But it starts by loving God. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We know the scripture. But we've got to believe it and we've got to act on it. It's out of God's love. I just love what Maureen brought this morning. Just God confirming these very things. Love God with all your heart. And then he says, what is second commandment? Just as great as that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that neighbor means your unsaved neighbor. It means your saved neighbor. Not just the person sitting next to you in church. Not just my family. Because I'm there, you know. We, we, we like to share with other Christians. We like to encourage one another. But to an unsaved friend, that's a whole different game. <laughs> you know, that's stepping out. That's risking it a bit. But God says, you've got you to love them. Love them like you do yourself. So if, uh, look at our statement. Knowing Jesus and making him known. It starts with loving God and then making him known. When we love God and God, his love transforms our heart, the potter comes. The Father comes and he molds and he shapes our heart. We prayed it this morning. Maureen brought it again. I believe the Father is saying that to you this morning. Allow me to come and shape your heart. This very thing of having the heart in his hand, I love that picture. Stephen said, massaging. We need, God, we need God's heart for the lost. And that's going to come through this morning time and time again. So can I, can I say, have your heart open this morning. Allow God to come and shape and come and move. Michael Eaton talks about a thing of, of, of um, whether it's sharing or preaching or talking, but it's, it's speaking from a place of revelation rather than a place of information. And um, you know, our prayer throughout that time was, and, and I just looked back at my notes, how many times I wrote it. I said, God, give me a heart for the lost. God, give me a heart for the lost. Give me your heart for the lost because in my own strength I'll fail. Give me a heart for the lost. And then I had to learn some very hard lessons these last few days. Some very, very hard lessons where God had put an opportunity on my path and I missed it. I chose otherwise. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but I just, God presented me with it and I, I had to go, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. But I need your heart. Forgive me, God. Give me your heart. Give me your love. 
And I believe that when you ask this, she says, ask and you will receive. When we as a church, when we truly believe that and we say, God, because that's our heart, we, we say, God, give us the loss. We've got to be prepared for people that's going to come through that door that's going to offend you, that's going to annoy you, someone completely different to what you are used to or who you are used to. How is that going to affect us? What are we going to think? And, and I started asking myself these questions. How will I feel if that happens? Am I going to go, this is not, not the type of person that I would normally associate with, with mingle with, so I'm going to go sit over there and, you know, aircon. But actually, what's happening in my heart? Again, not a heavy, but I, I believe God's going to challenge our heart because He's going to send it. <laughs> if we pray for it, He's going to send it. Praise God. We prayed and we asked for aircon. Right? We had some funds come in. Thank you, Jesus, to put in some aircons. But we also had another aircon donated to us. Come on, people. If God can supply an aircon, what more can He not supply to your life? What not more can He give to you? When He says, ask, ask of me. God is so involved in the intricate details of our life that He wants us to ask Him that thing. God is so good. So we've been focusing quite a lot on, on knowing God. If you look at some of the series we've been through and some of the teaching, we've, we've focused intensively on knowing God. And that will continue. That will never stop. Because we'll, we'll, we will never, until we get to heaven, fully know God and know His heart. So we always have to pursue Him. And we always want to be more like Him. Come to the evening service. Grant is sharing a, a special series on on spiritual formation, the journey of becoming more like Christ. Not for ourselves, but for the sake of others. So that others can see, wow. I once, <laughs> funny story, I once, um, a friend of mine was getting married and he had a brother and his brother went to school with me for not, not too long. And so it was probably um, 10 years after school, we met up and he said, oh. uh, and, he, and he said, I believe you're marrying my brother. And I was like, yeah. He said, so you're a pastor? I said, no, 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 not quite. And he said, jeez, well, if there was hope for you, eh? And I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was all that bad, but, but what that did was, and I realized, is that other people can see that. And I said, God, thank you. Thank you for working in my life. I'm not going to focus on what happened in the past. That happened because it brought me to a place where I'm now found in God. I can't... Tr- Sorry, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm just going on God, what God's, God, God's leading here this morning, but um, there's that financial place in Warner Beach, that Charles Merrington. Guys, I've seen that if you travel uh, north on Kingsway, and they always put up these uh, quotes and stuff, and one morning I saw this quote, and it said, um, I can't remember it exactly, but the gist of it was is that you can only trip up on the things in your past if you keep going back to the past. If I made a mistake today, tomorrow's a different day. I'm going forward. I'm trusting God. That thing is there. The only time I'm going to trip up over that thing is if I turn around and go back to the past. Then I'm going to stumble and fall. And then I'm going to have to learn the hard lesson by getting up, turning around, and then fall over it again. And God says, let me meet you in that place now. That's the beauty of God's heart. Wherever you find yourself, whatever situation, if you choose to say, now, God, he'll rescue you from this place. All right. Let's move on. 
So Greg kind of pioneered this thing where he just, he, he reminded us of what KCI meant to, to us. I'm going to ask you this question, and there's a couple of guys, so just, I'm going to call you out now, so just maybe get ready so I don't catch you on the spot, but um, what does KCI mean to you? How did you experience KCI the first time you came here? What does it mean to you? Even think about that very thing of you coming to God. A couple of weeks back, I asked you this question. If, if you had to share the gospel with someone, what would you say? What is that story? And then why do you come to church? And, and I, I, it kind of links up to this, but just for a moment, just um, think about this. Cliff and Cheryl, why you guys maybe come up so long. How did you experience and find KCI? As a base church, we, we, we want that to be relevant to people. Last week, Greg uh, spoke about authentic living, that we want to be real. We don't want to be fake and phony. We want to be real. We want to say, this is, this is who we are, broken people that sin, but we've got a God that is faithful to forgive our sins, just loving and kind. So we want that to be relevant. And um, Sorry, I'm keeping you guys, but... Um, I want to remind you, uh, Wally Gerstmeyer, if you guys have been around for a while and you've heard Wally share, um, Wally, Wally's always got these amazing stories, but he says that you, you've got a story, each and every one of us, we've got a story. That's your testimony, right? But I want to encourage you and remind you that, that no matter how insignificant or small you may think your story is, it can make a massive, massive difference, right? I was reading from Revelations, Revelations 12, to, um, verse 11, where it just says that they overcame the enemy, they came, overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That means you and I can overcome and conquer the plan of the enemy through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness, the sanctification, the restoration, and then the word of my testimony. Because others will see, this is what Jesus Christ did for me. This is how my life was transformed. It can happen the same for you. Cliff and Cheryl. So the question was, maybe just share with us how you found KCR. Maybe just tell us that story. Um, yeah. Okay. Morning, guys. Um, okay, just taking it back to this late um, 90s, 97, 98, somewhere around there, we were at Glenridge. Uh, Mark Ward was an elder there. Um, he said he was going to be planting a church out on the bluff. At that time, we were staying on the bluff, so we decided, okay, it'll be a good thing to move across the bluff with Mark. Uh, we were there for a couple of years, very comfortable. We were leading a home group. Went to Bloom in about September. Uh, just before the Bloom, uh, Bruce and Corin had come through our church at Southside. And um, they had said that they were planning to plant a church in Toti. So we thought, oh, that's nice. Let's leave it there. Went, went to Bloom. Um, and during the conference in Bloom, um, we just felt that God was saying, we need to support that church plant. Um, so we went and spoke to Mark at, at the conference. And he said, yeah, okay, but seeing as how you guys are heading up different ministries, Cheryl, I think, was in kids' ministry. We were running a home group. He said, you'll have to stick it out to the end of the year. Um, we came back from Bloom. South, uh, Kingsway Church was planted in the Civic Center. And uh, we, part of the, we came to the opening service, but that was it. And we had to go back to Southside. And we were, like, chomping at the bit because we wanted to get back into uh, Kingsway. How long ago was that, Cliff, that um, the church was planted? It was planted 2003, two. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so we, we had to basically wait till November. Then uh, Mark 
released us, so that's when we came over and joined Bruce and Corin. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, if God lays something on our hearts, um, we were at Bloom, we were happy, we were happy at Southside, but just something triggered something in our hearts, and we felt that, you know, God's calling us to something. Um, and yeah, so we relocated, uh, became part of KCR, and we're still staying on the bluff, uh, so we're traveling backwards and forwards two, three times a week. Uh, so we decided, no, okay, let's sell up in the bluff and move down to Toti. So we moved, relocated down this side. And um, yeah, just we were talking about discipling the nations and going and being church planters. And just while I was sitting here this morning, it, it, it struck me that we don't all have to go and plant churches, but we can go and support church plants. A church doesn't consist of just the leaders. It consists of people. And so even if we go there as a support role, that's a vital part. Uh, the story of Moses, uh, uh, when, when the, the Israelites were in battle, and when Moses' hands were up, they were winning. When he got tired, his hands came down. The guys had to come and hold his, his arms up. That's what we as a congregation do to the leaders. We hold their arms up in times of trouble. We support them. We, we, we take hold of their vision and embrace that vision as if it's our own vision and support them and go forward. And that, that's what grows a church, is when we can support the leadership, and catch their vision. Just, uh, sorry, I'm carrying on here. <laughs> We've got this thing of, on Tuesday of a prayer meeting. Guys, it's, it's important. Um, the leadership sees it as important. We need to support the leadership because then we'll see how important it really is. And if we don't support the leadership, then we're just a pew warmer. We, we, we're not playing a part in, in, the, in, the, in the function of the church. We, we just, we're just someone who's sitting here and keeping a seat warm. But we need to be active. We need to be taking part. We need to embrace the vision of the leadership. And then we can see this world transformed. Because that's what it's all about. It's about seeking and saving the lost, that, that, that lost that chair of seeking and saving the lost. And, and as we support leadership, we support that, that vision. Sorry, I went on a bit. <laughs> okay, so I'll just come with the, uh, I suppose, the feminine side of it. Um, it, it was heartbreaking to move from uh, Southside because we had formed relationships. We, as Cliff said, we had a home group, and we were in. I was in children's ministry, and we had massive relationships there. But we, when you know that God is calling you, you you leave behind stuff um, because you know that God is the greater thing. And so this is what we felt God was saying: move to move here. So, um, and also um, just leaving our home and our everything in, on the bluff and moving here as a lady was a big thing as well. But thank the Lord that he's given me an adventurous spirit and I was just rearing to go. So we arrived here and the churches, the, the opening, there were masses of people. And we thought, oh my gosh, so this is like going to be a huge church. When that was done, the next Sunday, there were probably 10 of us. And so that was the church, <laughs> about 10 of us to start. Sure. So we went and we used to congregate in Bruce and Karen's home, um, and everybody came. And it was uh, two, maybe twice, three times a week we would go there and pray. And that's mm. what we did. We prayed and we mm. prayed and we prayed. And we felt that God was saying we need to go out there and love the people. That is how... Um, what our mandate was, go and love the people. Love those people That's that are good. unlovely. They're, as um, uh, Leon said, people are going to come through the church that are going to be unlovable, but we 
have to love them because yeah. that's what Jesus did, and we need to be like him. That's really and good. then the other thing that came, uh, came real, was really strong is that we are going to be a base church. So that yeah. was in 2004. Sure. God had laid that on our hearts. Um, and as Cliff said, it wasn't <laughs> just planting churches. It's going and supporting. When people leave here and they go to other countries, we pray that they will be a supporter of that work that they're going to. It's not just a, a church yeah. planter. But way back then, we felt that at least two yeah. uh, plants would come out of this, this church. There was no time uh, uh, limit or anything. So yeah. God is working, and it's That's a time right, of yeah. preparation. And he's yeah. going to lay that on whosever heart it is that God wants to, to, to get out there. But one of the things that Leon didn't know, that the one scripture that we continuously prayed was Isaiah 51. Sure. From God is going to, we're going to use us to bind the brokenhearted, to go out and, and use wow. us to set the captives free. And just that whole um, sure. scripture. So that was also a, <laughs> a, a, Confirmation, a, a yeah. concrete thing for yeah. us. But base church, wow. definitely. That is what we feel God is, is saying. So it is like confirmation, confirmation. Yeah. So exciting for us to actually mm. come from 2004 to now, yeah. 2020, and see that it's still what God is, awesome. is going doing in this church. Thanks. So we love it. Thank you. <laughs> Can we maybe just honor these guys and just applaud them? Just their, that's yeah, just their faithfulness. In, uh, in giving up so much and just supporting and still being in, being such a massive support. So we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And just how God confirms, eh, just with that scripture. So, wow, that's sure. Also, it, um, for me, I think it's vital to, to understand how I got saved. Um, I was in high school, and um, a friend invited me to come to church. Um, and I came to church, and... The first person that I met was an elder's wife, um, very similar to Alicia, but a lot more affectionate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so she's standing outside the door, and I walk up, and this timid, shy 16-year-old, um, and she wraps her arms around me, and she said, Lambie, you are so welcome here. Oh, shit. And I'm like... <laughs> What's going on here? Why is this crazy lady loving me? So I got saved into a church that was very much a base church. There'd been churches planted out. Um, and I'd kind of been overseas, been to England, and I had no interest in going there and living there. And then in 2007, in June, God said, you're going to England. I was like, are you sure, God? Um, and God took me out of my comfort zone the people that loved me took me to England. Two years later, um, the door closed for me to stay there, and he said, you're going to Mams and Toti. And well, coming from Panta, Mams and Toti was like, really, God? Um, yeah, nobody goes to Mams and Toti. Um, he says, well, you're going. And I came here. I knew absolutely no one. I came from the church that Greg and Laurie came from, but they were still living in Panta at the time. So came to Toti, knew no one. Arrived at church, and the first person I saw was Grant. He came and shook my hand, asked a few questions about me. Not even a minute into the conversation, he said, so do you want to join my home group? And um, 
and joined his home group. Been here ever since. It's what um, twelve years now, and it's not just the love that I experienced that um, that made me keep coming back after the first time, but it was the love that I experienced from the leadership in this church. Because um, in two thousand eight, my mom died, and I had kind of not dealt with that. And in about 2012, 2013, I completely fell apart. And it was because of the leadership gathering around me and loving me and saying, you're a vital part of this church. We want to see you restored and healed. We just, we're going to get around you and lift your arms up. So it's, yeah, my experience both in getting saved and coming to this church was just love. Thanks, Dono. So good. God's so good, eh? Just yeah, seeing Dwayne now and Jace and Mackenzie and just yeah, what God's doing through through their lives is amazing. So awesome. Kathy, sorry, where are you? Okay. Um Steve, do you want me to share? Do you want to share? Yeah. Thanks. No wonder I couldn't see her. I was like scanning, but <laughs> God's good. Yeah. Do you believe it? Okay. So it, it's quite a strange story because I used to be in this church. I was in this building in 2010. I was a part of this church. I was, it was then called Rehoboth, and I was in this building, and I was married. Then in January of that year, my wife was killed in a car crash, and I was fuming with God. I was broken. I really was in a place where, is this God real? Now, remember, I'm, I'm already an elder. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all these fancy things, and I'm questioning God. I am broken with God. And I had lots of people in that church that loved me, but they got in my face, and they got in my way, and I really didn't want any of it. So I thought, I'm out of here. And I came to KCI. Big mistake. Because <laughs> the first thing that happened is that Dion Bota, those of you know, he came and he did exactly the same thing to me. He said, hello, how are you? Welcome. And, uh, come, come to my home group. Exactly the same thing. And I felt so much love in this church that I just kept coming and coming and coming. And God took me from being totally broken and angry with him to an even greater, deeper relationship with him and with the body of Christ. Sure. That's good. The love that this church shares when people come through the door is incredible. We must never, ever lose that, guys. Amen. Brilliant. Thanks, Steve. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Sure. Just again, and look how God's restoring, right? It was prophesied, and Kathy, Bossy, <laughs> Kathy, and Johnny. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, good morning. I've been attending uh, KCR for about a year. love and support that I received from KCR was truly amazing. Um, 
KCI is not just a church that I attend, um, but family. Family that has walked um, a road with me through the deepest, uh, darkest valleys, have prayed with me and cried with me, um, held me up, um, but also um, have celebrated and laughed with me on the mountaintops. Um, I have experienced true friendship here, uh, genuine love and genuine care. Um, and that is what you need when you're going through a really tough time. Um, I've had an ama amazing journey with the Lord since I've been here. Um, he's been my rock and um, uh, walked with me through every step. Um, he has healed me and restored me so much that I managed to love someone else. And a few years after my divorce, I met my husband here at KCR. So just you, you, all you. the honor and glory to the Lord for all the things he has done in my life. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. Well then. So I'm not going to tell you my story, how I started at KCR, but I just want to add on to Kathy's story. It's just been such a privilege to actually see how God has been using Kathy um, yeah. to minister, to speak into people's lives that have gone through something similar, uh, that are in a, a very difficult position. And I believe that God can use each and every one of us here. Each of us have a story, whether it's a challenging one, it's good, not so good story. God can use yeah. your story That's right. uh, to, to, to bring glory to God, to, to, to assist people to know Jesus and to make him known to, to the nation. So, yeah, well done, just encouragement thanks. there. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It's just amazing to see how God's worked through, and I mean, that's just been four people, and I see lots more here, and I know some of your stories, and there's a lot of you that I don't know your story, but you, you've got the, the opportunity to share that, to encourage someone. I hope you feel encouraged by it, and you feel stirred by it, and I hope that you, you've experienced the same kind of warmth and reception that, that these guys have. That's exactly what happened to me as well, and we just, we just kind of seem to stay. You know, it's like Velcro. We, we can't get away. And, uh, and, and I trust the same for you. But I also want to encourage you to do the same. It's going to take you to extend that hand and, and to ask and say, how's it going? And, and, and to share that love, to be that love. You know, we, we get rescued so that we can help rescue, so that we can point the way to the Father. Um, I wanted to share with you a little bit on, on the parable of the lost sheep. So I'd, I'd like to go through this just, just briefly. So if you've got your Bibles here, um, would you turn to Luke, please, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7, and I'll try and move through this as quick as I can. But I want to just highlight a few things because the, 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 the importance of the first chair, seeking and save the lost, stems from God, and I want to just pull a few things out of that just to help us. So I hope this morning has been encouraging and there's some practical stuff for you. So uh, maybe I should go there too, hey? <laughs> Luke 15, chapter 1. Are you there? Say there. Okay, cool. All right. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear. That's now Jesus speaking to them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
Then Jesus told them this parable. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's an incredible story, and uh, I'd encourage you as well, go and read the other two parables, parable of the lost coin and of the prodigal son. Go and read that because they're all linked together. Um, But this is a couple of things I want to draw out from that. Jesus, the people find themselves flocking to Jesus, eating with Him, listening to Him. They are drawn to God, and, 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 and the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law say, but look at this. Look at the sinners and the people coming to eat with Jesus, and is that not so? Again, like I said earlier, when people come through the doors, we go, sure, I actually know what that guy does in this town, or I've heard stories of that woman, or whatever the case may be. People are drawn to God. Jesus says in John 12, it is I who draw people. I will draw all men unto myself. Again in John 6, Jesus says, no one can come to the Father unless they come to me. It's the Father who draws them. And Jesus says, I will lift them up. So here we see the flocking. And we're going to find it. If we pray for it, we're going to find people drawing to God. Jesus accepts all people. And it's a reminder to us all to accept all people. Right? Verse 3, Jesus responds in an incredible way, always with wisdom through a parable or a story when there's grumbling or moaning or complaining. He says, let me tell you the story, right? And he, and he tells them the story. And I, and I believe there, there, there were some there that day that would have gone, what a silly story, and they would have left. But I believe there were some there that went, what, what, what did he mean by that? And that's, that's the thing with a parable. God wants to draw us out. God wants us to seek him in his word. Lord, what does this mean? God's calling us. He's telling us stories. And, and if we choose to say, Lord, what does it mean? And we, we, we choose to seek his heart, he will truly reveal it to us, right? Those concerned and gripped will understand more. In verse 4, it's all about the lost entering the kingdom of God. This was Jesus' mission. He went around and he, and he proclaimed, the kingdom of God is near. Repent. He preached it. It was on his heart. It was his mission. He was sent out so he could tell people of the kingdom of God for that restoration. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to those teachers of the law. He said, anyone I'll accept, anyone that comes to me. Jesus even sent him out. Go into all the world. That's what he does to us. He commissions us. Go and tell people. Matthew four seventeen. it says, from that time on, Jesus went and preached. Luke 1, 8, Jesus traveled throughout the country from town to place to place, proclaiming the good news. It was his mission. If, if that's Jesus' mission, then, then I want to say, Lord, let that be my mission too. And that's where we as a base church, we say, God, okay, right, this first church is seeking and saving the lost. If that's on your heart, God, we want it to be on our heart. So we're going to pray, and you're going to hear us pray, and we, we want to encourage you to pray with us. Come to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. We're going to pray just now for the lost. Make it a prayer of your heart to trust God, because otherwise... Why do you come to church? Yes, we get encouraged, we get strengthened, we get restored and healed ourselves. But it has to get to a point where we then take that and replicate it. 
Say, I know someone at work. I know a family member that's going through what someone here went through. Just come and see. Just come along. Come in here and allow God to restore those relationships. Something that, 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 that really struck me was um, verse 4. If you've still got it open there. When he finds the lost sheep. Um, sorry, I actually meant to, to say uh, verse 5. When Jesus goes after this lost sheep, when he finds it, who had said he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he carries it home. The beauty of this, friends, is God comes and meets you in your darkness. He comes and meets you in your place of brokenness and despair. This, this lost sheep was too weak to make the trip back home. And Jesus come and he, he joyfully, it's a joy. Word, scripture tells us that it was the joy set before the Lord that he endured the cross. He joyfully comes and rescues you out of that place, puts you on your shoulders, carries you home, brings you into this place, calls his friends. He's come and rejoice. Come and rejoice with me. We should rejoice when someone enters the kingdom of God. Often we see them, someone gave their life to Jesus. Oh, that's cool. I did it 12 years ago. We should be rejoicing if all of heaven, and that includes God and all the angels, if they are rejoicing, then we should do the same. Say, God, your kingdom is advancing. We're making a difference. It's establishing. It's making a difference. We, therefore, have no right to judge or condemn. Jesus died on the cross for us. Died for you, died for me, died for all people. God is the one that judges the heart, that looks at the heart. I've been in that same place. You've been in that same place where you've made mistakes and you've sinned, and then you've met God, and the redemption came, the restoration came, and now you're in that place of walking with God. We have no right then to say, oh, look at that person. I don't know. God, I don't know. But we are called to encourage and to support and to strengthen those, like we heard today. You know someone that you can bring along. Say, come and see. Come in here. Come and experience. Pray for them even. Steve, you're going to come and share in a minute. So I'm quickly going to wrap up. The lost is at the center of God's heart. We are saying to you today, it's that we want it to be at the center of our heart. But we need his love, right? It's important to him. It's important to us. Reaching out is an effort. It's a sacrifice. It takes time. It might cost you, whether in money, whether in reputation, whether in your own whatever it is that you're caught up in. I know, right? It costs you sometimes. But the reward is so much more greater. Bad English. <laughs> the reward is so worth seeing that person restored. Now we're saying, now that you're restored, now that you've allowed the potter to come and mold you, let him put his oil inside of you and go and pour out his love over that family, over that person. Allow God to use you. Hey, That's right. Second chair. Bringing them in, raising the leaders, planting churches, discipling the nations, repeats the cycle. Okay. We need, we need God's heart for the lost. Steve, sorry. Psalm 73 and verse 26 says that my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is my portion. Cool. Sorry. Who believes that God wants us to pray for the lost? Are you sure? 
Okay, so I want to challenge you. And again, it came out in the elders' prayer and fasting. Is I want to challenge you to do something. And you're going to think, oh, here we go. But my challenge is not that you go out into the street and that you begin to knock on doors and you bring people in. But what I want you to do right now, this very second, is I, an empty chair. Okay, this is my empty chair. What I'm going to do for the next week, for the next month, for the next year, whatever, I'm going to pray for this chair to be filled with somebody that needs to be saved. And when that chair has got a bum on it, I'm going to find another chair in this church, and I'm going to pray for it. And I'm going to pray for the chair to be filled with somebody who is lost or a prodigal that needs to come home. So my challenge to you is, can you find a chair next to you? Grant, that's yours. That's yours. Okay. Find a chair. All we're asking as a leadership for you to do is to pray for that chair to be filled with the lost. And then when somebody fills that chair, find another chair. So it's a simple thing. You're going to pray for the lost one chair at a time. Yeah. Richard, you got a problem there. There's five next to you. <laughs> you picked That's the good. wrong row there, babe. <laughs> But come on. Yeah. It's so real. That's good. Who's willing to pray for a chair until it's full? Yeah. That's good. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Quickly. Just to add to that, when somebody fills that chair, don't just move on to the next chair and start praying for another one. Do that, but also love the person who's sitting in that chair. Don't wait for somebody else to love them. You love them. Mm. And teach them to pray for their chair. <laughs> Multiplication. Teamwork. And I think that's, I hope, I hope this is something encouraging today. We're going to pray. Um, but it, really, we just wanted to share what we feel, what we believe in. And we're inviting you to say, come along with this journey. We need you. We truly need every one of you. And I think the introverts are, are loving you, Steve. <laughs> because it's daunting, right? I know for some people it's daunting when we say, Go and pray for someone. And I'm guilty because I always do it. Um, so thank you, Alicia, for pointing that out to me. But at least now you've got pray for the chair until the person gets there. Then you'll have enough experience and <laughs> pray time. All right, let's pray. Um, Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, God. We, firstly, Lord, we thank you that, Father, that you sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to this earth to live the perfect life, to model to us, to show us, to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us, to joyfully put us on his shoulders and carry us to your heart, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for displaying and pouring out your heart and your love on the cross so that we can stand free. We sang about it this morning. With the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, and we thank you for that freedom, God. Help us to never take that for granted or forget that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would remind us, each and every one of us here, how we came about to knowing you, to meeting you, 
putting our faith and our trust in you. Would you remind us, Holy Spirit, of that moment? And then would you remind us of how we, we came about to this church? And Lord, then help us to take that very thing, Lord, and share it with someone else. Lord, if it's on your heart, we say, Lord, let it be on our heart because we want to say that your will be done. Father, let your kingdom come as it is in heaven where it is perfect, Lord, so let it be here. But we're putting up our hands this morning to say, Jesus, here we are, send us, God. Help us, Lord, and, and forgive us, Father, when we make mistakes, but thank you for your grace. Your grace that picks us up and says, it's okay, try again. Move forward, trust me, believe in me. So, Father, we say, give us the lost, Lord. Give us the lost, Lord, whether it's here or whether it's in China or wherever the case may be, God, you lead us. But, Lord, we want to we say, let these doors of this church fling wide yeah. and send in, Father God, those that are far from you. Help us to love them with your love, Lord Jesus. This morning, massage hearts this morning, Lord. Massage your love into our hearts and form and shape us into the image that you want us to be, God, for your glory, for your name's sake. We love you, Lord. We say, Father, thank you that you are taking us on this journey, Lord, that we can be a part of this, Lord. Thank you for your words that have been spoken over this church, God. Prophecy spoken over this church as a base church. We believe that, God. We take hold of it with faith, Lord. For church plants, Lord, we take hold of it with faith. We say thank you, Lord. But let it start with us loving you with everything inside of us and loving our neighbor, Jesus. For this week, God, thank you for your love, for your encouragement, for your power, for your strength that sends us out. We receive all of this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.